Welcome to the Confessions of a Loveaholic podcast. Join me, your host, Emmy Hernandez, on a journey where we help women heal and find soulmate love to help rewire their brain and nervous system so healthy love is on the radar and it feels like home instead of heartbreak. Whether you've found your soulmate or your journey is just beginning, we'll explore the energy healing practices like meditation, yoga, and have straight talk about toxic addictions. You deserve safe love. You do it all without breaking a sweat. Like being a boss exec to Tuesday tennis to homework. Why do the kids have so much homework? Family dinners, lunches, brunches, trips to the vet, and a weekend getaway that's anything but a getaway. And you do it all in style. Even when you have back-to-back conference calls on top of the kids' orchestra recitals, not to mention your side hustle. That's why we created the fully reimagined Infiniti QX60. A luxury SUV as functional as it is stylish and as versatile as it is serene. With premium features like a panoramic moonroof, ample cargo space, and available massaging front seats to bring the ease of luxury to your everyday. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60, designed to help you take on life and all the chaos it may come with in style. Learn more at infinityusa.com. Now with extremely limited availability, contact your local retailer for inventory information. Welcome to the Mamas con Ganas podcast. That's mamas as in, hey mama, y te traemos episodios para que tengas las ganas de motivarte, surgir y triunfar. Don't be a mama con drama. Let's be mamas con ganas. I'm your host, Valentina Izara. In this episode of the Mamas Con Ganas podcast, I'm interviewing Siobhan O'Shaughnessy, film producer and co-founder and president of American Film International. Siobhan and her business partner and husband, George Chamie, produce and distribute high-quality commercial motion pictures throughout the world. Siobhan is also a philanthropist and makes guest appearances at Chapman University, where she teaches international film distribution. Siobhan also happens to be the executive producer for the movie I filmed back in May last year. Hence how I got to meet and work with this fabulous woman. Welcome, Siobhan, to the Mamas Con Ganas podcast. I'm very excited. It's very fun. And thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule to share your story. Um, Your story is very inspirational. When we met last last May and I was able, I had the the opportunity to, to talk with you, I knew right away that I had to share your story if you, you know, in the podcast. First Thanks. of all, tell us a little bit about your background. Where were you born and where you grew up? I was born in Kissimmee, Florida, before even Disney was even there. So at that time when I was born in 1962, it was Main Street, was Main Street in Kissimmee. And my grandfather owned a big farm and he, was a ho- he owned the hospital that was in Kissimmee. And my mother was pregnant with twins. I'm a twin sister. And she was at Notre Dame. And she ended up flying back to her house to be with her father and had us. So I was born in Kissimmee, Florida. But you didn't just grow up in Kissimmee, correct? No, you also I did not. Tell us a little well, bit uh, about your um, moving back. Well, what I, after mom gave birth to the twins of us, um, we went back to Minnesota and we lived in Minnesota where my dad got a job um, working for an um, investment company because my great-grandfather was um, Global Oil. So we were, there was a lot of investments to be made. So we lived in Minneapolis until I was eight, eight years old. And then we moved to Arizona for one year. Um, where my dad went to Thunderbird to get an international business degree. And then we moved to London for another year. And he graduated from a university in international business from the London Business School. And from there, we went to Colombia. I was 10 years old and we moved to Colombia, Bogota. And my dad put us, my twin sister and I, my little sister at the time, into an all Spanish speaking boarding school in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it was literally it took us almost an hour and almost an hour and a half to get to the school and the buses and, and back in 72 and the only thing that was out there was girls in uniforms and sheep that was it and <laughs> we would be there all all through the week and then we'd come home weekends and the school is called Marymount 
And I, I, the first year was the worst. I mean, I didn't speak Spanish. I didn't Did know how to write Mary Spanish. Mount? Yeah. I went to Marymount in Paris. In, in, in Paris. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was not a boarding school though. I think it was a boarding school before, but by the time Uh I was there, it was no longer. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So tell us a little bit about everything. Everybody was speaking Spanish. Everybody spoke Spanish. Nobody spoke English. The only class, I mean, the only thing that was in English was the English class and everything else was in Spanish, geography, you know, everything. So we had to have tutors. There was nuns everywhere. And it, I mean, they were tough. I mean, thank God they were tough, but I learned Spanish and then the first year we would come home every weekend. We say to our father, "How much? How could you do this to us? How could you do this to us?" Because there's an American school, yeah, and it was called Nueva Granada. But he wouldn't put us in that school. He kept us there, and he put up with us. I mean, we were complaining every day, every weekend for the first year, and after the first year it was, "Thank you, thank you, thank you," because I still speak Spanish, even though I'm going to be turning sixty next week. Oh my gosh. So that you, you sort of developed a love for Latin America at that yes. point. It was a, wow. And you you moved around a lot in any case, but I think when you move to a country where you speak a completely different language, it opens up, you know, our eyes in so many ways. And you become one of them. I mean, you get their music, you get, as again, I was 10 till I was 15. So it was also your developmental age. And I got to, you know, dance with the Colombians, be part of it. And it was great. I loved it. And then I came back to the United States um, at 16 years of age. There was boys in school. I mean, it was, I was an all girl family. So boys, and it wasn't that I wanted to do anything. I just wanted to hear them. I'd been with girls for so long. I just wanted to hear what they thought. (laughs) So I did that. And then I, um, when I went to college, my grandmother sent me to Rome. To Rome, Italy. To Rome, Italy. And I had a year abroad and I ended up, I remember when I landed on the plane and I'm taking the bus with all the other students, I remember saying to myself, I am not leaving here. I love this. I want to be here. And I ended up staying for five years. Wow. So, and so how did you, so you study, what did you study in, in, in Rome? I said international business. International business. Inner business, yeah. I got married to an Italian. I did go back and forth a little bit, so I were married for 10 years. But um, one time after I was married and had my daughter, I had was lucky enough to have a trust fund at that time and was taking a little bit abuse of it. And my, I got a telephone telegram. I don't know if you even know the telephone telegrams exist. It's not that they come to your house. They call you on the phone. <laughs> And I answered the phone in Italy and the lady said, this is the telephone telegram for you. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, well, the, the, the telegram says there will be no more monies. And I'm like, no more monies. Oh my gosh. And so you went from being a, a trust fund baby. I guess that's what you would call it. Right. Yeah. I would call it myself. Yeah. Were you in school, going to school, going to school. I had an apartment. I had cars. I had I was I had eight thousand dollars a month back in seventy not seventy two eighty four at that time wow. where I could do anything with. And I, I mean eight thousand dollars a month net, and your apartment's paid for. Your cars are paid for. Your this is paid for. I mean I went and got my hair done. I got my nails done a lot of times. But I after a while, I got very bored. So all of a sudden now, I mean that must have been quite a shock. It was a shock. It was a shock because I had a wonderful husband, but he wasn't providing. He could, I mean, the money I was giving was helping him. So I sat on my terrace, crying, uh, thinking, oh, this is devastation. And then saying to myself, how much money as a woman can I make in Italy versus how much money as a woman can I make in the United States? Huh. And even though I loved Italy, I mean, I still love Italy to this day. I just, there is a ceiling of how much you could do. And I didn't speak really, I wasn't Italian. So I still was a foreigner, even though I spoke the language, could write it, could do everything else. I was a foreigner. So I decided to go back home to my mother's house. But in the interim, I had my husband, I wasn't broke. I mean, like I say, I was totally broke. I mean, we could sell the apartment, we could sell the cars, but I didn't have time. So I told my husband, you sell all that stuff and I'll go back home and I'll start getting us a job and getting us situated so when you come everything will be good okay 
So I was sitting in my mother's, I went to my own bedroom. I was sitting in my mother's house and I felt very proud because I had my international business degree. And my mother comes up to me and she goes, Siobhan, guess what? In Orlando, Florida, Universal Studios is opening up in Orlando. And this is me to my mom. Who cares? Disney World, Circus World, Sea World, Bush Gardens, Alligator Land. I mean, you name a park, we have it in Orlando. So I was like, Mom, 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 I don't care. Don't care about parks. Your daughter has an international business degree from American University. I'm going to do something import-export. So I don't care. So I was going to the Chamber of Commerce, and I was going to meet some people doing international business, and... Three months was going by and I didn't have a job yet. So all of a sudden I had done convention sales many years ago in Orlando and the Orlando Convention Center called me up and said, there's a job opening. Why don't you come? I said, okay, great, great. And as I'm driving, now I grew up in Orlando. I get off on the wrong exit. And there, when I get off on the right exit was Universal Studios being built. And have you had that voice in the car or there's something that something's call, talking to you while you're by yourself. Yes. And something that voice in my head said, go in, go in, go in. And I'm looking at myself going, I don't have time for this. I got to go to the job. <laughs> and I, I drove in and the guy at the gate, again, it was being built. And I said, I'd like to apply for a job. Where's the employment agency? And if you've ever been to a park, they're never next door. Yes. It was like a seven-mile ride. This is before cell phones, before MapQuest, before anything, behind Swampland, going around. I did it. And finally, I find this parking lot, and I see the employment agency, and I drive, park in, and I go, I don't have time for this. I have to go. Because I'm one of those anal people that have to be at things early. And I'm fighting with myself in the parking lot. I go, can I don't have time for this. I got to go. I got to go. And I literally felt being pushed going to go in there. You you felt like an energy. Something was pushing me to go in there. And I went in and I had attitude. Because (laughs) I I, I don't have time for this. I got to go. So I go up to the counter and I I said, I'd like to apply for a job. Well, what would you like to apply uh, to work for? I I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what jobs Universal has. The only thing I know is I have an international degree from um, American University in Rome, and I speak Spanish, I speak Italian, and I speak English. And the guy kind of looked at me and he goes, well, I know one of our independent producers is just came back from Italy, and the Italians had kind of taken him, so he was complaining, and he's looking for somebody to do international sales for him. Maybe you can apply. Oh, wow. I was like, Universal has that kind of a position? I didn't even know. So I applied with 500 people had also applied. And two weeks later, I was sitting at the Cannes Film Festival. And that was 32 years ago. Wow. And that's all I've been doing since. Wow, that's amazing. So mm-hmm. did you now, once you started working, did you feel like right away that it was an industry that you that you liked and that you enjoyed? Or did it take a while for you to say, OK, this is what I'm going to keep on doing and what I'm going to get really good at? Right away. Right away. Because it was everything I wanted. It was international. I mean, I'm, I'm traveling the world. Exactly. I um, make selling. I mean, I didn't really study film. I didn't study film. I, I studied international business. So a product is a product. And I was selling it worldwide. And I got to go to all these places. And I, I don't, in Cannes back in 1989, it's all in the hotels. And you could, you got your booth. And again, I didn't know anything of this. You get your booth. And as you're coming out of the hotels, people are standing around with their cameras. And then all of a sudden you go, mwah, mwah. And then all of a sudden you hear, oh, she's blah, blah, blah. I know her. She's in that TV series. And what you're not, but you're playing the game because it's, it was con and everybody was doing the same thing. And I, I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. And to this day, as I said, I've been doing it for 32. You have your ups, you have your downs, but there's nothing, nothing else I want to do. That's, I, that's amazing. When you actually get to find that, that's like a sweet spot in life. I think not many people mm-hmm. have the, la, la dicha, like we say in Spanish, to, you know, to, to have that, 
that ability to really work? Because I think when you love something, you put everything into it, you know, everything, everything. If you're passionate about it, then it's just working is, is what you actually want to do instead of feeling like you have to come into work and just dragging your feet and just can't, you know, waiting until Friday. I, I feel that when you're passionate about your job, you can work on the weekends even and, you know, late and you, and you feel like you're actually there working on your mission. <laughs> sure. It's true. And then the nice thing is, is that when you're passionate about it, you meet the right people. I mean, even though it was Universal Studios, it really wasn't. It was an independent that I was working for who had independent films because the, the park, none of the big people from L.A. were coming to Orlando. So it was an independent and he was from March and Marietta. And I can literally say from the first position, I learned everything what not to do in the business. Huh? His attitude was like, if I can screw you right now, it doesn't make a difference because there'll be another 150 people behind you. But that's not the international community. The international community knows everybody. So if you mess up, Everybody knows about it. So that was not my attitude. And I met a George at the time. We were competitors, but fun competitors. And we started working together because I left that part. And his idea was that all of us, no matter what, you're all going to be high and they're going to be lows. Absolutely. But if you treat your, your customers and your producers and whoever with respect, they'll go with you through the bad parts. But if you don't, you know, it's not like you're just going to screw them. So we kept our clients for the longest time. And we have clients from France that we've had for 32 years. We've had our clients for, I mean, it's amazing. It's the same people. And I feel like I'm just a traveling carpet instead. You know, instead of putting carpets down, I'm putting posters up and I'm bringing a cup of coffee and we're sitting down and we're negotiating and we're selling movies. So the, the majority of what you do is sales then. It's sales and relationship building. And, and, but I'm and, and, but I'm lucky enough that when I do the sales, I know what my clients are looking for. Uh-huh. And when I know what my clients are looking for, that's what I make. And we were, when I first started, we were making 12 films a year. That means one a month. That's a lot. But we knew that there was a, a outlet for movies. I mean, for American movies. So like I said, we were doing 12 and we had long-term relationship. We made TV series, um, LA Heat, that we did 48 hours. Then we did another one for 24 and then things started to change. Um, I don't know if you all remember when the advertising came and reality came into play. Yes. And like how to become a millionaire, how to do that. So all of a sudden those time slots and even shelf space started to diminish because now you had something else that was coming in. So you had to be able to move quickly because we did 175 action movies. I mean, I was the queen of Crash Boom Bam. <laughs> yeah very little very little dialogue list which means you're going to translate it because it was just stunts and they would go on forever um and then we moved from that to thrillers are those doing more costly film. those like when it's because it's, it's very little dialogue and a lot of special oh. effects or is it all done on it's done it it's done at budgets i mean they were bigger of course because you have to have the cars you have to have the stunts you have to have the coordination but it what i'm saying is that it was easy to sell internationally because people's lives were already difficult. So for an hour and a half, they could get into this action movie of not really thinking and just go on this adventure of crash boom, bam. Um, So, but then it became too much expensive and there wasn't a channel in the United States that was taking as many as them. I mean, in the beginning, uh, HBO took them all, but then HBO turned around and did series. So you have to yeah, you have to be able to move. So it seems um, like it's a very evolving, it like evolves a lot and it changes quite a bit. It does. It does. I mean, it changes very quickly. I mean, as I can say, um, I started with Cindy Bond. We started Mission Pictures, even though we still had American cinema. But we started like a faith-based content because at that time, everything had gone so violent, so negative that the pendulum was going to swing. Make sense? You know, when you have so much violence and killing and I saw all of a sudden this um, pendulum of something, people wanting something else. And a girlfriend of mine had just done the animation called um, The Ten Commandments. Hmm. And we met when this whole transfer was going on. And 
um, she kept asking me to sell it. And I'm like, Cindy, I don't sell these type of movies. I sell Crash Boom Bam. That's who I am. I'm a Crash <laughs> Boom Bam lady. Um, but it had the voices of Christian Slater, Alfred Molino, and Ben Kingsley, which were great names. Wow, yeah. And I said to my husband, I said, let's just try it out. Yeah. What difference is it going to make? We got a booth. We'll put one panel and we'll put this movie up in the actors and let's see if we can sell it. I sold it enough to him. So he said, okay. Um, and we took it to the market. And literally, I ended up selling the whole world this one title, except one territory. And the funny part was, the one territory I didn't sell was the territory I thought I was going to sell first. Huh, which territory was that, if you don't mind me asking? Israel. Oh, wow. And you know what they said to me? What? We already know the story. Huh. Which they didn't want from a Christian person to be telling their story, which is true. But yeah. I ended up um, selling it to Middle East for even during Ramadan. They took it because it's the Old Testament. So yeah. they all believe in the Old Testament. I sold it to China. I sold it to India. I sold, I mean, it was amazing because I said, I actually, I had never seen this market. I didn't even know there was this type of market. And this type of market was accepting product that was not even good. So I went to the person who gave it to me and they said, Cindy, Cindy, we have to not just have one title a year, if we're going to do this and we should start doing this, is making a product line that they can depend on. So we bought and we got acquired about 75 faith-based movies. Wow. And in the international market, we had in South Africa, even a mission night that on Monday nights on, at eight o'clock, you could make sure you got a mission film. And then on, in Latin America, it was the same thing in Mexico. We went to Televisa, and Televisa was just starting, and we got, not starting, their cable thing. And we gave them a night, and we gave them 24 for a full year of movies. So we built this up and then started our own productions, which was Love Finds You and Sugar Creek, Love Finds You. And, um, yes, which have been super successful. Super successful. Yeah, it was funny, because Guidepost was the, one of the books. And the books of Guy Post does a newsletter to 6 million people, 6 million people. So I'm going with my shoulders going. I got 6 million people. They're going to go to the channel. And it was a small little channel called Up TV that was going to air up. And during the time we had just finished the first one, the channel goes, you know what? We've decided we don't really want to be targeting the 50 and 60 year olds. We want to target the 35 year olds. Huh. And I'm like, what? What? Your channel is 50 and 60 and above, just like Hallmark is at that time. Yes. And they go, oh, no, no. And I'm thinking to myself, well, Guidepost is only 50 and 60 above. I got I to gotta get now to that 35-year-old. How do I do that? And again, it was one of those come to Jesus moments where I'm sitting to myself, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, I said, love finds you. That's a dating site. And I called, I called all the dating sites and I was able to put on Match.com, Christian Mingle, blah, 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 you name it, um, banners or skins, they were called, of the movie across the whole their platform. And at that time, it was cheap. It wasn't expensive. And we called the, the chief of the channel and we said, you know, we really think we're going to hit 2 million views on our movie. And the guy at the channel said, Siobhan and George, let me explain to you. Our highest rated movie to date is Passion of the Christ on Easter. And that has only done 700,000 views. Do you really think you're going to beat Jesus? <laughs> or his little words, little words that he said to us. And we're like, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. We aired. And, of course, they do five five um, showings of it because they do the next day and blah. But then the first week, we did 4.7 million views. That's amazing. What did they have to say about that? <laughs> then they thought it was a fluke. 
They thought, oh, this is only because you got Kelly McGillis and Kelly McGillis had not done an Amish movie since she became the Academy Award, which we did have Kelly McGillis in it. Oh, it's a fluke. You can never do it again. So they gave me another one. And it was called Love, Find You and Charm. 4.7 million views. And then they gave me one more. And then they said, Love, Find You and Valentine. And that even did more because it was Valentine's Day. Of course. And the guy who played the main Lacarce was the one who played Jesus in the TV series that Mark Burnett and Roma Donnelly did. Okay. So everybody's like, what is Jesus doing? So Jesus was doing a Valentine's, love finds you in Valentine. And he got publicity. So we did 4.9 million people. That's amazing. It was amazing. And so, I mean, that's why... We, we finished, we, we changed the label, but we did Love Find You in Mountain View. And then we did Finding Love in um, San Antonio. We did Finding Love in Big Sky. So it's, it's a continuation, but we have to move it. And that's what we changed to Latin. We changed to a little bit more of a, um, more inclusive of people. So it's just modifying it, but we know how to get to that core faith-based people because the books are faith-based our movie is not but they support us every single time and now a word from our sponsor now that spring is well underway let's swap out the winter look with a spring refresh our friends at Alta Beauty recommend a few of the following must-haves starting with the eyes NYX's epic smoke vegan eyeliner brings your sultry eyes to the next level this epic eyeliner goes on like liner and blends out like smoke and comes in 12 daring shades so you can play it safe with a neutral look or go hot with their adventurous shades next check out Hourglass's Vanish Airbrush Primer this is a translucent skin perfecting primer that smooths skin controls shine, and provides a blurred, airbrushed finish while extending makeup wear. Complete the spring refresh with Tres Luce Beauty's Bold y Atrevida Liquid Lip Tint. Tres Luce's Lip Tint's Hyaluronic Acid plumps lips with immediate, long-lasting hydration. Also, the eight bold colors allow you to take on the day with a burst of color. But remember, this is only the beginning of your spring refresh, so head on over to Ulta Beauty and shop now, in-store, or online for all your essential spring refresh looks. It seems to me that you listen to your gut quite a bit, you know, because you have people that are doubting you in the midst of what you're trying to do. Oh, it. all the time. Yes. How do you get past that? Like, how do you find the confidence within yourself to not listen to all the external voices that are that keep doubting you and to just kind of go with what you sort of know within that, that, that is right? How do you find that? You know, it, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer because you, you fall, all of us fall sometimes, but when you know it's right, it just, it, it, it gives you like a, a wall, a wall not to listen to them in, in a sense. I mean, um, we did an Amish movie after we did the Love Find You, we still wanted to make another Amish movie. And my husband was very scared. He was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden I'm watching a show and the whole thing came to me and I brought this writer in. we did it. And he's like, Oh, you don't know what you're doing because I never write. I'm, I'm, let me put this specific. I'm not a writer. Um, I never claim myself to be a writer, but I know after reading a whole bunch of Amish books, what works and what doesn't work. So um, I've done three of them now. And the last one was plus one at an Amish wedding. And just something comes over you and you just feel it. Just like finding love in San Antonio. I knew when I met Francisco that this was going to work and Yvonne, that this is what we needed to do. Yeah, Francisco and Yvonne worked for the other production company. Yeah, because it was a a co-production. It was a co-production with them. And they're wonderful. And it was was just, we know this is going to happen. Maybe it's not going to happen as fast, but we know it's something that is needed right now. And I remember you mentioning also that you're always sort of looking, not what's the trend at the moment, but you're always looking ahead as to what's the next trend to come. Yeah, think of it like um, clothing. We all love clothing. I love to watch clothing. So when you're watching a movie that was made a year ago. So when you're looking for the projects, you have to anticipate what is going to be the next year. Just like in, you know, what was this year is what you're looking at, but They've already thought about it a year beforehand. 
So it's it's always looking to what that new niche is going to be. Um, and we were lucky enough, besides yours, I also did some in South Africa. And we did on BET. And we also got the Christian group then because, again, it's our, our movies are clean. Our, our movies are such a way, and this is what excites me also, my movies are where the whole family can sit down and watch a movie and not have to worry that they have to close their eyes or grandma's going to see something that she doesn't. It's all inclusive, the whole family to watch. They're all clean. I don't, I don't hammer religion on you, but they're a fun romance. If you want the religion, you can read the book. Yeah, it's, it's very, I think it's very important because I, I myself sometimes struggle on a Friday or Saturday night when we're sitting down to watch something as a family. It's like, let's find a movie that's not a cartoon that we right. can all watch without me having to be, you know, um, yeah, worried about my four-year-old son because now my, mm-hmm. old, my older ones, my two older ones are almost 14. So it's different what they can watch. But there's a lot of movies that they're just not, I'm, not, I'm just not able to put on because of the four-year-old. So I find that you are, that you really have something there for families. This is wonderful to be able to sit down, all, all of us, and not have to worry about that. Right. And, and grandmas and our older people are starting to live with us more than they used to. Yes. I, I mean, I have my mother very close to me and she's 82. And I can't put on certain things even I want because she goes, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I've had experiences like that with my grandmother. And they're like covering their eyes. And you're just, oh, my God, it's embarrassing. And yeah, so I'm like, okay, mom, don't worry. These are, these are fine. These are fine for you. And, and a lot of this passion, even for mission, came about. My daughter's 34 right now. And as I said, I used to do Crash Boom Bam. But when she was little, but the the, I don't know if I call it censoring, the product that my daughter was able to see on television without me being able to block it. Not that I'm prudish. It was just a little too much. It was like, I don't know if you remember Gone's Gone, Girls Gone Wild. Yes. Yes, of course. And these things, and she kept saying, mom's just a prude. And kind of lost herself for a while because of that whole thing that was going on. And now I think she's brought back and She's great. I mean, she's 34 and she's doing wonderful and she's a mother. But for that young age, I thought, and it was Disney too. Disney was doing, everything was very sexual. Everything in the product that I thought I was, oh, Disney's no problem. Go ahead, honey. Watch Disney. It it became nothing to help the children grow. It became just to promote sexuality. Which yeah, sort of wrong. what's popular rather than yeah. what instills good values and, and, right. and yeah, and a good morality with our children. Cause at the end, that's super important. Just like it's the basics. It's, it's the foundation, the, the foundation of a family. Absolutely. So that's what got me excited about it. Siobhan, what's the hardest obstacle you've had to overcome in your career? Being a woman, for starters. I mean, when you talk about being a producer, and I was a producer on your movie, not an executive producer. I was a producer. So when it becomes a producer part, the males are like, oh, women can't become producers. Oh, it's too difficult. It's too this. You have to be there on set and so forth and making decisions. And, only, and, and men will only respect other men. And usually that's true. But as a whole, most of the time, everybody, I mean, our, our set was very quiet. Our set was very... Um, fun, I felt. Um, when I'm on set with males, I feel more tension. Everybody's the males dictating what they can say and what they can. Everybody are more fearful. I don't think we had that on ours. And plus, the director was also female. Yeah, no, it was amazing experience. Actually, I remember um, my co-star, George Akram, he, he was like, I remember specifically him telling me, like, I've never worked in a movie where the producer's a woman and the director's a woman. And there were so many women. And he says to me, he turns around and says to me, I like this. Like, I like the energy. It feels, it feels more, a little bit more relaxed, like more peaceful. It's like, it's a, and I think that's why it's so important to have a mixture of the male and the female energy. Because I think it's a mix. It's a mix and it's a, it's a balance, you know? Yeah. So, do you think there's a lot more women now that are that are doing what you're doing and and um it, it becomes it becomes harder because the studios are trying to make the independents get out. 
They don't want us. They want to control the whole market. Um, they, they, it, so it makes it harder and harder to do more films because you don't have the outlets. And before it was so easy because you kind of had the, the foreign market and then you do the U.S. Now I was telling my Cindy, who still friends of mine from Mission, that if the market is flipped. You have to get the U.S. first before you get the foreign. So it's being able to change and just be able to do it. But again, I think the other strong point we have is we don't make our budgets based on just what we think. We get what we can get in the market and then we base our budget around that. So if the market is can only afford a certain amount of money, that's the amount we make the movie for. Make sense? Absolutely. You know, because I teach in school and they sometimes they're like, oh, my budget should be one million too, or my budget should be two million or five million. I'm like, okay, where are you going to recover those monies? We kind of know because we do the sales, we know where the market is and where it has to be at. And it keeps going down and it keeps going down and it keeps going down. It's not gone up yet lately. Interesting. And you'd think that you'd, there'd actually be more of a decentralization because of the fact that you have outlets now that are like, you know, you have the Amazon and the, and the Netflix and the Hulu, but are they, are they not separated? Is it? Well, Hulu's Disney. Mm. Hulu's Disney. And at the same time, Amazon is selling product. Yes, they want our films, but they're mainly selling detergent, soap, and food for you to go get. Um, so, it's, and Disney has so much product. And I, I think the one thing that has kept us alive is the niche, the niching part. The, niche. the type of movies that we make that nobody else is making and, and, and at the price that we're making them at. And that there's a need for it. I, I, and there's a need for it. I mean... I mean, none of the channels in Latin America would take my movies before for three years. Nothing. No romance. Oh, no, no. They only wanted horror cutting up people in Mexico. And we're, we're getting five million views. I mean, because there is a need for these type of products in Brazil, in Latin America, Mexico. They're loving it. But the TV channels won't buy it. Wow, maybe maybe they're not realizing how much people need that kind of that kind of. I know content. because it's so. And you know, when you're in Latin America, there's so many things. I mean, coming from Venezuela, there was so much, always so much hardship and and violence. You you would already hear like the hardship and the violence and the in your world every day. Sometimes you need an escape from that. I think that's precisely why Hallmark does so well, is because yeah, people are are sitting down and they already know coming into it that they're gonna. That they don't have Feel to worry good. about it being a bad, a bad ending. You know, that they know everything's going to be all right. Everybody's going to be happy. And who doesn't so want sure. to feel that everything is going to be okay? Well, they did a test. Disney did a test on how people feel when they watch certain movies. Okay. So let's say you're watching a horror movie. When you're watching a horror, you're, you're, you're shocked and you're, you're suspenseful. But if you're watching like a CSI, you're calm and intuitive because you want to know who the bad guy is. But when you watch a movie like Rocky, or an inspirational, that the girl went down and she comes back up and she succeeds. You have happy thoughts for a whole week. Amazing. One Absolutely. full week. So I'm like, ooh, I make happy thoughts for a week. Yes. No, absolutely. And then, and then the opposite, the other way around, I, I remember watching a, ser a series, it was a, a narco trafficking series. Mm. And I remember wanting to get through, it was a really good series, but I wanted to get through it as quickly as possible because I was realizing that it was affecting my sleep and that I couldn't go down to sleep for a, for a, a long time after watching it because the very violent images would stay in my head. And yep. that was a couple of years ago. And to be honest with you, I haven't really gone back to, to watch stuff like that because I just realized it impacts my mood in such a way. It does. All of it does. So, Absolutely. and I like good energy. I mean, do you remember when we were on set, I was telling you to pull down the good energy and we would do ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, just to make sure everybody had the energy to do it. And good. Yes. You wake up very early, Siobhan. I remember you were waking up like at, what, 4.30 in the morning? Yeah. Or? I wake up at 4.30. How do you have the energy to do that? <laughs> I, it just, it's been doing it for so long, I don't even think about it anymore. Um, I get my exercise in, so I don't have to worry that I do it later. I'm not a night person. I mean, I come to a certain point in the evening where, but you can get me up at, 
4.30, I can make my phone calls at five o'clock with the buyers international. And also I'm seeing them, you know, WhatsApp is great because I get to talk to my buyers in France, Spain, Italy, or the Middle East. I see their picture, we talk on the phone, we finish and it's done. So WhatsApp has been a great invention for, for me, for at least. Yes. No. Yeah. For everybody that has people internationally, it's amazing because it's a way to communicate and it's a, like having them and texting them right away. Right. Yeah. Right away. And you get a response right away. So it yes. makes it so much easier. Absolutely. Okay. So for any of our listeners that would like to do what you're doing, would like to become a film producer, what advice do you have for them? Would it be, for example, like, would you recommend doing a uh, school, like studying that or going into business like you did? What, what do you recommend? Well, studying school is good. I mean, I, I, that was one of my things. I always felt like I wasn't, um, I didn't know the seeds as they do in school, but a, I was a seller. So not that I, I make it come any less, but a widget is a widget. So I was selling a widget and I had to make sure I knew what my value of that widget was. And I think some of the film school people forget that you're selling a product no matter what. Um, I would, if somebody really wants to do this, I would have them talk to different um, distributors. Distributors will tell you what is needed in the market, but find your niche, find your little niche because right now there is so much product out there that you have to make sure you, like I'm a little boutique. I call myself a little boutique. We do black, we do Spanish, we do white, we do, you know, but they're all romances. They're all clean. They're all based on books and there's a lot of following and we know how to get to those. I mean, we know how to get to that small newspaper in Arkansas and little mountain view that nobody even heard of, but, and the moms and the, you know, that you know are going to be faithful and show up for our movies. Nice. Wow. So it's really, yeah, it's like, it's very niche then what you're saying. Very niche. Wow. Do you have a yeah, favorite we, book? Oh, I'm you just met, you keep mentioning books. So you, and I know you read a lot of scripts and a lot of books. Do you have a favorite one? Um, right now, the only, not that I don't have them as favorite, I, I like them because we're going to, we just, we're going to start our first series and it's called the Sugar Creek Amish Mysteries. So there's a series of 30 books and I'm up to 22 already. Oh. So, um, I just need to be it for work, but I've gotten so involved in it that, that I ha when I don't get my next book, I'm like, where is it? Where is it? I need to finish it. So they're kind of fun and we're going to make a series of them coming up soon. Very cool. What do you think has been the secret to your success? Be able to pivot, pivot fast, pivot, looking what is the new thing in six months looking to see what the new trend is going to be and follow, and making sure we make our budgets to what, what the market can afford. I like that. So a lot of it is numbers too, because if the oh, numbers don't. Totally numbers, totally numbers. And there's ways of making things. I mean, um, like I said, when we first started with mission, we had very religious movies, um, which again, I'm Catholic. My partner was Protestant I'm not trying to convert anybody. She was totally tipping agenda. I think we've been here for a long time. I'm okay with that. Um, but there's ways of doing the same movie for different crowds. Yes, for I example, there's lots of denominations there. Denominations. But if you want that religious Protestant part, you have the guys go there to the minister and open the Bible and then they call for the Bible or they come to Jesus moment. But you do that same scene. Pop it out, take it out, have the same person, but do it with a friend. And instead of opening the Bible, they're talking about the problem. Make sense? Absolutely. It's once you once you open the Bible and once you start quoting from it, now you're putting yourself in a very limited space. Because now you're determining whose religion is better than this. But if you have that same scene that they're confused and they don't know, but it's a friend or they don't open and they still could be a minister or a priest, but they don't open and start quoting, then you're okay. So that was learning those two things. It's like, yes, we can do the same religious and have them for these people in that version. And you don't have to change the music track and you don't have to change the audio. You don't have to do anything. The same amount, just the same timing, just pop them out in two different scenes. 
And what's good about that too, and you're not so, I guess, you know, you're not so divisive in terms of denominations is that you can reach more people because more, more people, people. Can, more I'm people can relate planter. to it. And it's yes. the same message at the end, the same good message right. that you're trying to, to relay to others. I'm a seed planter. I'm not a over the top here. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. No. But my, but my friend was, and that's what she wanted to do. So that's why mission I sold to her and she paid me out. And then I spied inspires, but that was her mission. Her mission was to convert people. Now you're so successful at this point. What drives you now at this point in your life to just produce movie after movie after movie? Like what's your driving force? Oh, now it's a series. I haven't done a series. <laughs> I've done movies and I love movies, but they have a beginning, a middle and end. Now we got a series and we're going to have to keep it going for, we're doing our first eight hours and it just, That's it's exciting. fun. That's yeah. exciting. And I love series. Actually, I was watching a movie um, when I was coming back in the airplane from Europe on, on Monday and I loved it so much, the movie, that I said, why didn't they make a series? This was, this is genius. Like this should be made into a series. It was, it's it was. The darkest hour. It was um, based on Winston Churchill's, uh, you know, darkest. Oh, hour. I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, and I loved it. Like historically, I was learning so much, and and his speeches, and and I was just like, this would be such a great series. <laughs> yeah, that you can keep enjoying it. That's what it is. Yes. So and I then, have my. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. No, I was saying that also with the, the as an actor, you get to evolve in in a manner that you don't get to when you do a film. Because you really get to unpeel the layers of that, of that character that you are developing. And it makes it some, so much of a richer experience because it, you go on for so long. So I think that's one of the reasons that series have become so popular. Yeah, and, and, and they get you. I mean, once you get there, they know they're going to have this amount of time. So the advertisers are all excited about it. That's so right. it, it becomes. Do you have a personal mantra? Um, a personal monster, yes, I, I am happy. I am a, like, I'm a happy, spiritual, international billionaire. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I do, because there's going to be a lot of times we're going to be told no. Let me put it that way. Yes. And the energy of getting no is very depressing and it keeps you down. Because, oh, they told you no. And the channels tell me no a lot, too. I mean, it's not like I get yes all the time. I get no's and I have to deal. But when I shake it out, you know what I put on? What? I do Helen Reddy. I am woman, hear me more. And oh, numbers too big to ignore. And I just shake it all out because I just have to keep going. What can I do? Yeah. So, Yes, because a lot of people lot. fear rejection. I think it's one of those things that holds people back a lot is that fear of the no, like you said. Yeah, but our husbands tell us no. I even tell my husband, <laughs> automatic. My husband gives me the knee jerk, the knee jerk. Honey, can we do this? No. So I kind of, instead, of, I used to get mad. Now I kind of go, give me eight times. By the eighth time, I know I'm going to get it. So now it's like a game in my head. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. Like, well, and in and, and Spanish, you know, the, the saying, el que no llora no mama. So yeah. whenever, whenever you have to, you want to ask for something, you have to ask for it in order to get it. To you get, get it. The baby that doesn't cry doesn't get the milk. It's the same thing. You just have to insist. <laughs> but in the beginning, when he used to give me no right away, I'm like, oh my God, how could he tell me no? I'm, I'm, I'm this great person. So now I kind of laugh and go, yeah, 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 honey. I understand. No problem. <laughs> and I give myself eight times. And then by oh the eighth. And what it's is the it? same with business. It's the same in business. Absolutely. Business. What's a dream you have yet to fulfill? Because I know you had told me when we, when we did the movie last year, you said you had a huge goal, which was what the 10 movies a, a year that you produced yeah. last year, you were, you said, if I get to 10, it was, it's like, wow. So. Well, I made the six. Remember I said I had made, yeah. I had, my moonshot was six and I made the moonshot. Now we're doing um, 10 and I have the eight series and I have the two, I have two Christmas movies. Wow. So is there, is there like a goal? Be like right now, do you have a goal that's like, okay, now I need to- My next moonshot, my next moonshot. See, my yeah. moonshot are those ones that you don't think you could ever arrive. Exactly. And you just put it out there. Okay. And my moonshot is to make um, my series as big as um, When Calls the Heart. I want a billion fans. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And awesome. my, I have a YouTube channel. It's called M, um, ACI on the Go. Mm -hmm. And we're already at 280,000 subscribers. 
and we're getting, our goal is to get to a million subscribers by the end of the year. That's, that's amazing. I love it. Talking about social media and subscribers. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the YouTube channel again. So in case somebody- It's called ACI on the go. ACI on the go. And are you also on social media? Where else can people find? I'm on Facebook. Uh-huh. Uh, the company is also on Facebook as well as ACI is the Facebook and we're on Twitter and TikTok. Under ACI. Under ACI. Awesome. Well, Siobhan, what, anything else, you know, in, any final words for that you wanted to leave the women that are listening uh, to this episode? Listen to your gut. I mean, it's the, it's the one that's going to lead you, but you got to be quiet enough to listen to it. Unless they slap you or push you like they did me. But otherwise, <laughs> your gut knows. Your gut knows what you should be doing. And you should be just following it. Just have that quiet time and say, what do I want? What do I want? And all your dreams are there to come true. They are. I love that. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I, loved, I loved this episode. This is amazing. Thank you so much <laughs> from the bottom of my heart. What a blessing to have worked with you and to have you now on, on the Mama Con Ganas podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my mamacitas will get a very, uh, an inspirational empujoncito this morning. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And we're all great. As women, we are incredible. We just need to remember that. Yes, yes. And when we also, when we're pushing each other forward and we're helping one another up. Helping one think, another. Yes, I think that's one of the things also that I really admire from you is the fact that you're willing, that you're always willing to like to lend a hand and to mentor women and to give them opportunities. Mm-hmm. Men have it. Men have had it for a long time. It's our turn to teach them. And we got to support women. So I do women in film. I do green light women. Whatever there is, as long as it's women, I'm good. Yes, because the movie that I did, it was precisely that. I was like, wow, the protagonist being a woman. It was that that was that's really cool. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you, Siobhan. Thank you. It's Valentina. Espero te gustó este episodio de nuestro podcast. If you liked it or if any of our content has inspired you in any way, I'd be ever so grateful if you showed some amorcito by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Every single review will help us reach more mamacitas so they can live their life con muchas ganas. It's because of you, our listeners, that we're able to create contenido para otras Latinas. Un millón de gracias por suscribirte, escuchar y compartir nuestro podcast. Si tienen preguntas, comentarios y más, pueden visitar nuestra página web mamasconganas.com or follow us on social media at mamasconganas. You can also write me directly at info at mamasconganas.com. Hasta la próxima. Es Valentina recordándote, don't be a mama con drama. Mm-mm. Let's be mamas con ganas. Besitos.